Shut up and sit down. Hi, everybody. This is a litany of privilege. I am Joe Bell here with Ashley Bartlett, who swears she's excited, even though she sounds like not excited. Um, hi, I don't Ashley. Know what you're talking about? I, I know, I know. You, you sound like you're like. <laughs> I'm trying to picture. I'm picturing like when uh, when somebody you know like they're in the hospital and the heartbeat goes to flatline. You're like that sort of mellow like. Excited? Why would I actually, you know, express excitement? I can just do mellow and it'll all be good. Anyway. Hi. Hi. <laughs> what are we what are we talking about today? Drugs. Um, the drugs you take or the drugs other people take? What about drugs? Um, just drugs. No, we're talking about drugs and how they get into this country and how um, our perception of that is maybe different than what it is. It's a little skewed. It is. Yeah. So um, when, as Americans, when we think about drug trafficking, like all of the the, the um, media representation for drug trafficking and uh, drugs that are coming into the U.S., that all is represented as coming from, you know, the southern border, coming in from Mexico. And, you know. Basically, like we think of 70s colombian cartels right well those are still real right um they're probably still real i would imagine they are but not the same way right i mean the world has changed in the last 40 years 50 years oh my god math is hard yeah it's been a it's been a hot minute since then (laughs) yeah but that that's still what we picture uh, because you know we have reality tv shows that are based on the mexican border we have you know if you're going to watch a movie that is about drug trafficking that involves the atf in any way and the atf doesn't do drugs but still or the dea any agency like yeah, that those exciting guys. things it all is coming in from um south of the border mexico um where's um nicaragua i'm trying to think of yeah. Say it what? Colombia. Colombia. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always like brown dudes with mustaches. Well, yeah. Now, I can't speak to the mustaches. But as it turns out, the drugs in this country do not just come from brown people and this southern border. Right. But we do a really good job of focusing on that. And, yes, we do. Uh, there's an awful lot of psychology behind that. Like, what is it? Is because it's easier to identify that, you know, if somebody's got a different color skin, it's easier to say, oh, you're bringing bad things in because you're, you look different than me. It's somebody that you can identify. Mm-hmm. And it's faulty and it's wrong because I don't know if you know this. A huge amount of drugs come in from the Canadians, which is weird because they're whiter than we are. Well, Joe, I'm just going to point out that I am Canadian, and you might be less white than me, but I'm pretty white. Um, you're pretty white, but you just said you're Canadian. I'm super white. You just I, said I, you're I, Canadian. That explains it, right? Thus proving my point. I am also pretty fucking white. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're from like the northern middle part of the United States, yeah, which I, is like the whitest part. Yeah. Uh, like yes. mayonnaise sandwich white. Yes, exactly. Going outside is bad because things turn red and then, you know, 
peel off and go back to white. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All anyway. That. Love it. So the Canadian so border. But we don't look at Canada. people are the ones who bring in the drugs. Yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely if you listen to our current administration. Right. I mean, that's why we need a giant. No, my people as in white Canadians. Oh, oh, oh. I thought you said brown border. people. No, my people. Yeah, your people. Of Actually, the Canadian variety. Yes. So the interesting thing, like the way that the borders are funded, obviously we're looking at shutting down the Mexican border to a disturbing degree with this administration. They want to put up a giant fucking medieval wall, you know, akin to the Great Wall of China. <laughs> right? That's that's what they want to do. So the, you know, No, it's going to have slats. No. I, I guarantee you, if he could figure out a way to get... Probably. Oh, he would build the Great Wall. Of oh, China. yeah, he'd have people out there hauling rocks around on their backs. You know, it would be, oh, yeah. and they would be the brown people because that's who he would Obviously. want to enslave, right? And then you look at the Canadian border, and we have very like our percentage of coverage in terms of like border patrol is so it's much much like the budget for the Canadian border is much much lower. We have no interest in, you know, putting up any kind of wall in Washington. In the state of Washington, and I'm assuming all the northern border states, if you're a citizen of Washington, you can get a uh, an amendment to your driver's license that allows you to cross the over the border. You don't even need to have a passport. You just have to have an enhanced driver's yeah. license. Uh, I don't know if they do the same thing in Mexico, but... Uh, no. Yeah. It's not hard. It's not hard to get into uh, the U.S. from the Canadian border. We just, you know... So let's talk about border crossings for a moment. Um, the last time I went to Canada, I was 17, and um, I was staying with a friend of mine who had moved to, I don't know, one of those hipster cities there. And we decided to drive up for the day to Canada. And at the time, she was like 26, 27. She was one of my friend's older siblings. Um, we realized that I had a driver's license and nothing else. So I'm pretty sure my parents like faxed a copy of a copy of my birth certificate. And that was enough. Like we went to the border and they were like, well, this isn't technically the right paperwork, but have a good day, guys. Uh, right. It, it and was probably was it. not even a copy of like the legal life birth, live birth one. It was probably oh, the, no, like no. the hospital issued one, <laughs> which yep, isn't it legal was at exactly all. Exactly that. Yes, that's and awesome. I don't know if she she definitely didn't have a passport. Granted, this was you know a long time ago. Math is hard, but um, <laughs> I'm going to say it was like 15 years ago. Yeah, you're old. So it was post 9/11 though. Yeah. And then the last time I went to Mexico, um, I was probably about 15. And I went with my mom and my brother. We were staying in San Diego on vacation, and we did a day trip to Tijuana. So have I told this story on uh, our podcast? I don't know. Maybe. Tell it again if you I have. don't think I have. Okay. So we they had like a tour bus that would take us from our hotel to the border. And then we would walk across into Tijuana for the day, shop, do whatever, you know, eat things and then come back, walk across the border, get on the bus, go back to the hotel. Um, as I have said, my mother is a Canadian citizen. 
So before we went, she calls the tour line and said, I'm a Canadian citizen. Do I need my green card? And they said, no, it's fine. Oh, shit. So um, I'm three years older than my brother. So, you know, he was like 12. Yes. And we are both American citizens. So we, we go to Tijuana for the day. My mom buys, you know, a whole bunch of jewelry and leather goods, like a white suburban mom. Um, I'm pretty sure that my brother and I got gun holsters for our cap guns because <laughs> <laughs> we're awesome. Uh, I'm sure. So that yeah. was like our big purchase. So then we get to the border and we're in line to like walk across and they're like, okay, are you citizens? And my mom's like, oh, well, the kids are, but I'm not. And they're like, well, where's your green card? Oh, no. And she says, it's in Sacramento. What do you mean? So um, we realized that they're not going to let her cross. And so she gives us, you know, her thousands of dollars worth of goods that she has purchased and says, okay, guys, you see the tour bus? And we're like, yep. And she says, okay, go get on it. Mommy, we'll be back at the hotel in a couple of hours. Oh, my God. She didn't keep... So... Wow. No, what was she going to do? Bring us back into Mexico? She had no plan. <laughs> she just was all, it'll be a couple of hours. I'm pretty sure it'll be fine. No problem. Yep. So we go back to the hotel and, you know, like, we're not talking about it. But the whole time we're like, fuck. Right. Um. So finally, at about like 9 p.m., we look at each other and we're like, OK, so game plan. If mommy doesn't show up, we can call dad. And at this point, our parents have been divorced for 500 years. Um, he obviously will come get us because he is our father. But we can also call mom's recently like ex-boyfriend who will care enough to go get mom out of Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> and is wealthier than dad right now so he might be able to get here quicker yeah that's a good it's good to have a plan yeah so we were like having this debate and then of course the door opens mom walks in and we're like oh we've just been ordering room service deal with that bill and like never <laughs> talked about it so so in, in your oblivious was, little privileged mind, your biggest problem was, how do you, uh, that's nice. No worries no, about your mom. we weren't worried about paying the bill. We knew she had a credit card on file. Right. So. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, your biggest concern was how to get a hold of your dad. Like, that, it wasn't like, this could be a problem. No, no. Concern is the wrong word. We had zero concerns. Yes. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. So what happened was she ended up taking a cab. Um, from the border crossing we were at to the next closest border crossing. Uh-huh. And she got there. She got in line. Uh, they said, are you a citizen? She said, yes. They said, have a nice day and let her across. Oh, shit. So then she just took what must have been a very expensive cab back to the hotel. So the, the issue wasn't even with... I mean, there was some sort of, like, policy in place, but there is so loosely enforced that it wasn't even... It was more a matter of her knowing which question to lie when she answered it. Yeah. And, and that, the that, fact that she's super white. Yeah, well, of course. Super white people, you know. There is a thing called... And looks wealthy and all of that. Right. Well, there's a thing called white privilege. For mm -hmm. a reason. There is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, my only... 
Canadian border, well, my last Canadian border experience, I was, I'm going to say I was 18 and I, we, I drove up there with a bunch of friends because we really wanted to get drunk and couldn't find anybody to buy alcohol. And mm-hmm. we didn't have anything. We had our driver's licenses. But again, that was like 110 years ago. So nobody, it, we didn't need anything. They just said, okay, no. welcome to our country. Please have a nice day. Yep. And then easy. when you came back in, they were like, welcome back. Yeah. There was no... I don't even think we, I mean, like, I think we just waved at the border crossing. I don't even think we had to, like, stop. No, that sounds about right. Yeah. It was, it was not a, not a big deal. So, um, the biggest drug import that we get from Canada, did I already say this? I don't think you did. Yeah. Tell us, Joe. What is it? I think this is important. MDMA, which is... You know, isn't it that one of those like fancy designer drugs that rich kids, rich white kids take, right? It's I a mean, party drug. It's ecstasy. Yeah, yeah. Molly. Yeah. So it's it's like a party drug for like high school and college kids. Yes. Right. So automatically, That's exactly what it is. Automatically, it has a different feel emotionally when when people talk about it. It doesn't it doesn't sound as as dirty and dangerous as saying somebody, you know, I, I use heroin. Heroin is, we know, uh, you know, just the, the, the sound of it. It's, it makes our skin crawl because heroin junkies are intense and have been very well represented in media, right? Yes. But, hey, guess and we what? we can expand that. What? Kids die from taking MDMA. It's not like it's just a happy party drug. It can kill you. No. Anyway, go ahead. Expand your uh, heroin thing. Well, and it's not just heroin junkies, but also like meth users. Those are clearly bad people. And um, yeah, but all the meth comes hard from us. Street. Yeah, yeah, I know. But <laughs> hard street drugs very different than party drugs. Yeah. And the only difference is who uses them. Um, yes. Wealthy white kids. I mean, they use. All of these drugs, we should acknowledge that. But the perception is that they're only using party drugs and that the hard street drugs are bad people. Mm -hmm. Bad people do those. Yeah. Well, when you're talking about, like, when you think about the biggest push, you know, in the whole war on drugs happened during the Reagan administration, right? So we're back mm-hmm. in the 80s with Nancy Reagan saying, you know, in her whole say no to drugs and, you know, forming um, MAD. And like she was just all sorts of on top of, you know, young people need to not be uh, taking drugs. Right. And she was very vocal about it. And at the same time, we were using drugs to fund wars. But whatever. Anyway, the point is, <laughs> the point is, um, it was very much like the the image of it was, you know, the whole say no to drugs. It was a campaign against, you know, street level, dangerous, your whole life is going to fall apart if you take drugs. And it, do you know what I mean? Like it was it was a, totally it was per- portrayed as, you know, the, the fast track to, you know, skid row. And as a kid who was in elementary school in the early 90s, the D.A.R.E. program was simultaneously hilarious and terrifying. Because do you know what DARE is? Yeah, yeah. I don't remember what okay. the acronym is, but so go ahead. You can tell us, remind us what the acronym is. Um, do you remember? I'm trying. 
I'm gonna look I know it up. That the you slogan t- is that I'm daring you to resist drugs and violence. Okay. Because you know they expanded it to violence. I, oh. Or at least that's what my Dare T-shirt that I currently have says. I um, and the, the mascot is Darren. It's He's said, a lion. Drug abuse resistance education. Education. That's what it is. Yeah. Okay. And so, so how it was done, from what I remember, is like a sheriff would come in and they would teach you this whole program. We each had like a workbook, and it was a high quality, like thick workbook. Um, so they paid quite a lot of money for these things and we would go through the workbook and learn all these lessons and like fill it out and at the end we would all be given a t-shirt because you know we're talking about white suburban kids you just give them stuff Mm -hmm. and then there would be like a whole graduation ceremony that you graduated from the dare program and at one point, like, they brought in a police car so we could see what the back seat was like so that we could say, like, we never want to be in the back seat of a police car again. And then the best part was I was in a mixed um, third, fourth grade class. And then the next year I was in a mixed, like, fourth, fifth class. So I did it two years in a row. Mm-hmm. And it was the exact same program, exact same T-shirt, exact same workbook. Like, why were we wasting money? And I remember as, like, an elementary school kid being like, well, I already did this. Isn't it a waste of time? Yeah. here's the, It was. Here's the interesting thing about that, right? Like, I think you really nailed it. Like, you were upper middle class white kid in a conservative area and you went and did this thing the people who are best able to buy their own their own fucking clothes are the most likely to get the free t-shirt you know yes i would have dug a free t-shirt i was poor i would have liked a free t-shirt i never got a free t-shirt yes right so i think that's really really that's really interesting the way that works out it's fascinating and like the the whole violence thing was don't join a gang and that baffled me through all of my school years because gangs were not a problem in our area the way that they were represented so gangs were what you know people of color joined when they lived in bad neighborhoods so that you know like they could sell drugs or something like it was very vague but it was a threat Mm-hmm. When really, I grew up in an area that totally had gangs, but the gangs were like white supremacists. Right. But we weren't warned about them. Like it was right. fine to join that gang. Yeah. Well, and the, here's the thing that I think is, is interesting when you talk about um, white supremacist groups or any kind of like white nationalist groups. Uh, technically, you're right. They qualify as a gang or getting more specific, they, they, they qualify as like a, a terrorist group. Right. But yes. when we talk about terrorism, we're talking about brown people. Always. Yeah. Also interesting. Um, same same uh, yucky, you know, whatever, but just with a different shiny name. Anyway. Yes. Anyway. Okay. So um, we like the Canadians because they're whiter than we are. And we'll let it. And Mm -hmm. they're no threat, by the way. When we picture drugs coming across the southern border, we picture, you know, gangs with, you know, automatic weapons and mustaches, obviously. And bandanas and sunglasses and, you know, the chinos and like, but they're scary because they have big guns. And they don't even speak English. No, no. Like, yeah. And then they want to come to our country. And yeah, it's just wrong. Anyway, that's what we picture. your children. 
That's what we picture. But when we picture the the Canadians, we picture, you know, they've got like Dudley Do-Right on a, on a mounted police thing. And that's... Yeah. Who doesn't love a fucking Mountie? Right. Like they're not, they're not scary. I don't think, I mean, I know Canadians are allowed to own guns, but they don't. Nobody has automatic weapons. Nobody's going to shoot you. They're all just going to say please and thank you. No. They're going to say, hey. Yeah. Can you can you let me in, please? <laughs> like that's it. That's all they're gonna do. So there's nothing to be scared of. Because they're is, Canadians. Yeah. Yeah. Like even their drugs are probably nice. <laughs> of course they are, because they're Canadians. Yeah. So we yes. don't we don't we don't guard that border at all, really. I mean, it's perfunctory. It's like you know, we're doing the bare minimum just because we want to like put up some sort of show. Otherwise, we're just the yeah. EU, right? <laughs> We've got to have something happening. But it's... So it's also worth pointing out, and yes. this is not related to drugs, but the dudes who orchestrated 9-11 came in through the Canadian border. Uh, yes, most... Act- Let's actually, just we... point that out. Oh, oh, yeah, no, you've seen that map, right? And I don't have it pulled up, so I can't like you know tell everybody where it is, but I've seen it more than once, that map that shows where active terrorist groups find entrance into the U.S., and it's all off of the coast borders coming in through Canada. Nobody, mm-hmm. no terrorist group has ever gained access to the U.S. via the southern border. Because it would be hard. Well, because they don't, they're not going to do that. They're not going to come from the place where we already think all the evil villains live. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, okay, so... Let's 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 flip this just a little bit, right? Yes, we do get designer drugs in large quantities from Canada. And yes, mm-hmm. those designer drugs that are coming in from Canada that we don't need to regulate because they're from Canadians do make a huge difference uh, in in our culture because they kill people. Like we don't mm-hmm. like to acknowledge that, but they do kill people. Um, but let's talk about the fact that prescription drugs come into this country from Canada at an alarming rate. Yes. Like, all of the junk mail that you get in your email folder that says, like, Canadian drugs, that's a real thing. Like, Mm -hmm. you can order drugs online, and they will ship it to you from Canada and show up at your house. Yeah. Oh, it's easy. very easy. And... And, Go ahead. I mean, I, I write a series of books about a drug dealer who deals in prescription drugs, and... That's one of her sources. She just orders them online. Mm-hmm. And we all know people who have done this, too. Like, it's cheaper to get prescription drugs from Canada because they don't have the same regulations that American pharmaceutical companies have where they like to gut people who just need medicine. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it's super duper simple. Now, don't order drugs online, guys. Um, why not? Well, I mean, you, it's not regulated in the same way. Explain. So, like, you could order, I don't know, what's a drug that people, you, you could order insulin because it's going to be uh, way cheaper. And there's no way to necessarily guarantee that it is the amount that it says that it is, that it's the potency that it says that it is, that it will work in the ways that you want it to work because 
you're getting it from Canada. No, if you drive up to Canada and go see a doctor, it's probably just fine. Um, and you, when you get to the border, they're just going to let you through. No one's going to ask. Yeah. So here's a really, uh, there's a really good article on verywellhealth.com, which is a very, very, very clever name. But it, they list the safety concerns about um, Canadian pharmacies and specifically. So like you said, quality assurance. Um Forget about quality assurance. How about the fact that because as Americans, we don't understand how the Canadian uh, prescription system works and we can very easily end up with counterfeits because we don't know if we're ordering it from a legit uh, organization yeah. or not. Um, they're not tested in the same way, so it could have something completely different in it. Um, eh, they're worried that you're going to be taking it without the supervision of your doctor, but you have to have a prescription to get to get um a prescription sent to you from Canada that you have to provide them with a doctor's prescription. Maybe that's a new addition. How old I is think this it article? is. And this also article is from can be forged. This article is from December 20th, 2018. Um, okay. So it's not that old. Um, labeling and language issues. I, I'm okay with things coming from Canada and the Canadian English and me being able to to uh interpret oh, you it speak in the American Canadian English. English? No, but I think I can I think I can interpret it. I think I'll be okay. Oh, okay. I yeah. mean, you know, they're just gonna insert like polite, eh. you know, messages here and there. Yeah. But I think I think that's interesting. days like, of the week weird. Um but don't do you know people who order drugs um from Canada? Like prescriptions from Canada? I do have a friend who's a trans woman, um, deeply closeted trans woman, mm -hmm. and she, the first few times that she took estrogen, like over the years, because again, closeted, she mm -hmm. ordered it online. Um, and like they send you, you know, a patch and you slap it on your skin and it's whatever. Um, That's interesting. I, it was fascinating. Yeah. Now oh. she's, she's an actual doctor. Um, to get it. Yeah. That's, I think that's really interesting. That's like the difference between like whether or not you are, you know, asking for Jane in order to get a, an abortion or whether or not you can go down to your, you know, your regular doctor and say, Hey, I need to make this happen. Right. Yes. Back in the day when you couldn't talk to your doctor about transitioning, you would do whatever you could to get the drug. To get the appropriate, yeah. you know, medical uh, help. Whereas now, my 10-year-old was able to talk to his pediatrician. Who He's 12 now. But at 10, <laughs> we took him to his pediatrician to talk about the fact that he wanted to stop puberty and, you know, transitioned, you know, to a boy. And at 10, pediatricians know yeah. this information now. Right? So, yes, they do. Yeah, but let's talk about drugs that aren't specific to, you know, a very yeah. So obviously, there's drugs that are medical necessity, and obviously, our prescription drug system in this country is absolutely fucked. Putting a pin in that, getting things like opiates or stimulants um, from Canada, very very simple. Uh, in fact, go ahead. No, I I don't know what my in fact was. Okay, well let's talk about. <laughs> Here's the, here's the one example that I know of, and I know this because my daughter has extremely severe asthma, and in order to get one Pro Air, like which is an albuterol inhaler, it's like four hundred bucks in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And if you can get three of those with the same prescription from Canada, yep, for one hundred and fifty dollars. Sorry, I left out the yeah. You know, so four hundred for one, 
or three for 150. Yep. I have a hard time. Sounds blaming, about right. Yeah, I have a hard time blaming somebody when they, you know, make that decision because that's not about like purchasing because of American pride. You know, like I got to buy the made in American thing. No. That's like I need to be able to buy groceries and feed my kid on top of you know buying this inhaler. Being able to breathe. Yeah, and then you know I can't. I can't fault somebody for taking that that opportunity to live and not go broke doing it. So, But we can fault, like, society at large for thinking that all of the drug problems in America, of which there are many, are the result of brown people or the southern border. When the majority of those problems come from the northern border and white people. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, of course, right? Because in the 80s... When we were dealing with the war on drugs, it was a war on drugs coming from brown people being taken from brown people or taken by brown people, perceptively. I mean, that's how we were perceiving it, right? And it was qualified as a war. Now we're dealing with the exact same epidemics, the exact same type of statistics, only they're white dudes, middle-aged white dudes taking opiates that come from their doctor. And instead of calling it a war, we're calling it a health crisis, right? Yes. And that's and it's also worth noting that the war on drugs was inspired not by the need to get rid of drugs, but then by the need to get rid of brown people, because um, what's a convenient way to get rid of an entire population of people that is enslave them or bar them from the country? So it worked really well for people from latin america to just say oh they're bringing in drugs we're not going to let you in and for the black people who already lived here to just put them in prison for potentially distributing the exact same drugs that a white person is distributing and calling it something different like mandatory minimums were intended to enslave people of color oh of course of course you hear about you know um, a mother of three with no a prior or whatever being sent spending 22 years in a you know a jail because she had too much marijuana on her so it was you know and ugh, stuff like that makes my skin crawl yes because a white person would not suffer the same consequences it's the same idea that like um cocaine is punished differently than crack cocaine yeah same oh, drug different form of course. But one is more prevalent in white communities and one is more prevalent in black communities. Or at least that was the thinking behind those laws. Yeah, the three strikes you're out thing. Who? Yeah. It's a problem. Yeah. I mean, okay, now we're getting into the justice system, which is a whole different problem. Yeah. I think we've I think we've 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 discussed how disappointed we are with uh, our approach to border control of drug trafficking. Yeah. Yeah, I think we have. Do you have any last final thoughts to add? Um, I do not. My kitten is cute. That's what I'm going to tell you. Okay. Well, tell well, your and tell on a your, positive note. Tell your kitten not to take drugs. Drugs are bad. Unless you really mm-hmm. like them, in which case just take a little, not a lot. Yes. That's what we'll end on. If you want to <laughs> do drugs, make smart choices when you're doing them. Mm. Uh, for real, yo, because personal choices are personal choices, and I'm never going to condemn you for making a personal choice. Just don't be stupid with it. Yeah. Like, have a buddy who's going to keep track of you, and don't take a lot of drugs. 
your yeah. first time taking them. Right. Exactly. And if you're gonna, you know, if you've decided that you need to smoke the marijuana for the very first time, don't mm-hmm. buy an entire pound and transport Mm-mm. it. Don't do that. You don't need a pound. No. By the way, a pound of marijuana would take up like a trash bag. For those of you who don't know that. Yes. It's, it's a lot. Um, anyway... Uh, I feel like we've done our public service for the for the day. We've we've given people advice on how to be successful drug users. Yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm really proud of us. Anyway, dear listener, we are going to call this done because yeah, we've gone off into the weeds uh, again. It's going downhill. Hey, was I, are you closing this out or am I doing it? Because I just started. To no, do it. I'm you ju- do it. Sorry. I'll, I'll no, I'll do it. I just didn't want to like step on you. If you wanted to do it, I wanted to let you do it. I never want to do it. <laughs> anyway, this has been a litany of privilege. I am Joe Bell here with Ashley Bartlett, who I just will quote says she never wants to do it, which makes me sad for so many reasons. <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening and we will catch you next time. Shut up and sit down.